Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. To a time, whoo, maybe coming to a quick end in Miami after what appeared to be yet another injury, another concussion for the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch the third. I'm joined here by... Oh, someone who decided to wear her red today, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names, rocking her, proudly rocking her class of 2021 shirt. Um, Two things. One, fairly for certain, my college didn't make shirts for graduating classes. That's what happens when you go to a directional school. Second thing, if they had... Fairly for certain, I wouldn't still fit in it. So, bravo to you. Thank you. <laughs> you did the big reveal. You should have saved that for on the air, or because you had your you're like all bundled up, and you got your get your thingamabob on your sweater pullover sweater sweater thingy. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a rough three hours today. I'm just letting you know. English language is not easy for Raymond this morning, it seems. No, no. And what Steve Wiley is with Tua's name, I'm going to be for the whole three hours. <laughs> so, but you did the, like, the big reveal. We were coming on the air, and she, she just looks up at me, and she's like, and then you just take off the sweater, and you're like, what's up? Class of 2021 shirt underneath. Yep. I will not be unveiling anything. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep all of this goodness inside. I had to pick out of two different shirts too. I was like, hmm, class shirt. Ram shirt that I think that like the men like the dads wear for the occasions now. I had my shirt, I was like walking to the game, I looked over and I was like, Well, that's another dad with a shirt that like mine and there's another dad. I was like, There's no one no woman was wearing the same shirt as me. They were all men were all wearing the same shirt I was wearing. I was like, ah, I'm not gonna wear this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I may put this back in the closet. We do have a tremendous show lined up for you today on this Friday. A nice, brisk, cool morning out there. Great football weather. Of course, it's Louisiana Raging Cajuns homecoming weekend. South Alabama comes to town there at Cajun Field. LSU is on the road in the Plains taking on Auburn. McNeese opens up conference play as well. They're going to travel to San Antonio to take on Incarnate Word. And, of course, the New Orleans Saints are over in London town to take on the Minnesota Vikings. And we'll try to get you set up for everything this weekend. Carly Viator, our friend from Festival International, will join us later on in this hour to let us know about Ladin Fest. That's this Saturday. Great celebration of Ladin culture, music, and food there at Park International. We'll get all the details about that 
in about 50 minutes from right now. Then at 7 o'clock to kick off hour number two, our friend James Yasko. Astros coming down the stretch, last six games of the season. What should we expect to see from Houston? Dusty Baker says, hey, expect to see a lot of starters still getting reps for the integrity of the game. Is that the right move? We'll talk to James about that an hour from now at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, J.J. Jackson, a man who hosts a sports talk show in the town of Auburn. They don't got anything to talk about these days with their head football coach and their program. Give us a little bit of uh, information, intel, if you will, about LSU's opponent. That'll be at 7.30. At 8.15, your fantasy football advice from a man who is going to try to put himself together Longtime Miami Dolphin fan, Zach Miller. It's going to be a rough morning. It's going to be a rough morning for our boy. And then making his debut, you know him as Dat Boy Wolf on Twitter. He hosts the Saints Twitter podcast. Oh, yeah. Ryan Hinton going to be joining us for the Big Easy Blitz to help us preview the London game. So that's our lineup this morning. A couple of new folks making their debuts on the show. Always love to have that. And, of course, we'll still take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. And we'll get to what occurred last night. And we're going to do it right now. I'm not a doctor. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, No one would even consider me a doctor of love. Okay? So let's just go ahead and just... Put that aside. I've long said about Thursday night football that I just don't believe there's enough recovery time for the modern NFL player to be prepared for the next game. This notion of having guys play on a Sunday and then turning around and playing four days later is ludicrous to me. Now, it's done specifically for television revenue. It's done for money. It's the only reason why we have it. You know, 40 years ago or 45 years ago, whenever it was, when they decided to do Monday Night Football, that was a huge deal. But that was literally one game the day after everyone else played. Now we're having guys play on a Sunday and turn around and playing on a Thursday. Doesn't seem, I don't know, smart. Once again, I'm not a doctor. I struggled to pass biology in high school. But what we saw last night, it's just not good. It's not a good look for the league. Go back to Sunday. Tua gets drilled into the ground. He tries to hop himself up. He hobbles. He stumbles and has to have his linemen help pick him up. Sure did look like to me he had a concussion on Sunday. When you're stumbling around like that and you need your big fellas to help pick you up, that's a problem. Not only did they allow him to come back into the game on Sunday, because the NFL tells us that an NFL team 
follow the NFL's protocols about concussions. And we know what their standard has been for the physical health of their players for decades. <laughs> Isn't Tyrod Taylor suing a team for the team doctor puncturing his lung? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. So anyone that watched the game on Sunday went, uh-oh, well, that's not good. Yet, he was able to come back into the game, and they claimed, good to go. All right. Four days later, Thursday night football, and even before Tua got injured, this was not a pretty game. And, and that's the other part of this, quickly. The games on Thursday night usually aren't very good. You want to know why? Because I don't think they have a proper enough rest to go out there and play. And it shows. It is showed from Jump Street with Thursday Night Football. You have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon for Cincinnati. You got Tua and Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the other side. You got some of the best playmakers in the game. And this was like, what, a 2015 game? But I digress. Tua gets thrown down like a rag doll in last night's game. And he's laying there on the ground, and they have to roll him over. And when they roll him over, his hands, with all the fingers in different positions, is locked. He's shaking his hand a little bit, but his fingers are locked as if he's a piece of machinery that has now gone on the fritz. They had to cart him off the field and take him to the hospital for neck and head injuries. But then we get a statement, not even this morning. This was last night. Two has been released from the hospital, and he's going home with the team. Well, look, I'm not a doctor. Once again, your boy RP3, not a doctor. And excuse the pun, doesn't this seem fishy to you? I, I just honestly, just as a normal person, not as a sports talk host or as a producer or as a listener to a sports talk show or just as a football fan, does any of this seem on the up and up to you? What does the old gut tell you? Because my gut tells me, no, no. My gut tells me, no. This tells me like we got any given Sunday nonsense going on. Is James Wood the team doctor? It's just, come on now. This is the bigger problem when the NFL wants to try to tell you that they care about the health of their players. It's all a farce. I've said it for years. First of all, if you cared about the integrity of the game and you cared about the health of the players, you wouldn't be playing Thursday Night Football. That's one. That's one. 
two, you really don't care about the health of your players. You, you really don't. You really don't. I'm more convinced that they care about protecting the quarterback because quarterbacks have become the stars of the sport. They're the face of the sport. And we used to say it back in the day, chicks love the long ball. NFL fans love a lot of points being scored. So the NFL protects the people that are directly connected to putting points on the board. That's what I believe. Because they just, like, what are we doing? Go back to the Sunday game. Watching Tua the way he did. If that happened in high school, or if that happened in college, you think Tua's getting back into the game? No. This only happens in the NFL. It only happens in the NFL. There's no way that a mom or a dad or grandma or grandpa would see their son out there playing, walking around stumbling, and then have to be picked up and still staggering by a couple of his linemen and go, that's okay. It's not going to happen. High school coaches aren't going to let it happen. High school and college coaches have embraced this far more than the NFL has. Cat's stumbling, clearly has a concussion. You saw on Sunday, you saw to his head hit the ground. You saw it. Like when you saw it, you could feel his head hit the ground. And then you saw him stumble around like a drunk person who's had one too many boxes of wine. And they're like, I, 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 he's fine. Put him in the game. Oh, okay. Okay. And then four days later, he's out there playing in a game. Really? This is what we're doing? Really? Taken to the hospital with neck and head injuries. Had to be carted off. I did not comment on Twitter. When these things kind of happen, I do not because I don't like to be knee-jerk reaction guy. I I saw the video. I saw saw it. I was watching the game. Shout out to Amazon Prime. Watching the game, and I went, oh, no. Like, it was scary. Straight up. They rolled him over, and like he had his hand like that, and I was like, oh, my God. And carted him off. He's taken to a local hospital there in Cincinnati with head and neck injuries. During a second-quarter sack in the game, he hit the back of his head on the ground when he was sacked by Bengals nose tackle Josh Dupoe, and his arms appeared to seize up almost immediately. He remained on the field for roughly 10 minutes before he was loaded onto a stretcher and taken away. The Dolphins said shortly before halftime that he was conscious and had movement in all of his extremities at the hospital, University of Cincinnati Medical Center. After the game, they said Tua was expected to be released from the hospital Thursday night and travel back to Miami with the team. Mm -hmm. And back in Sunday's win over the Bills, 
Tua underwent concussion evaluations at halftime after he hit his head on the ground and then stumbled while trying to return to the huddle. Listed him as questionable to return because of a head injury, but later said it was a back injury that caused him to stumble. And here's the problem. Players are traditionally not going to be forthcoming when it comes to the concussion things because they want to play the game. They want to be out there with their teammates, their other brothers, and they want to help whatever they can do to win the football game. And football players typically feel that they're letting their guys down if they get to come out of the game doing an injury, whether that's an ankle injury or shoulder injury or concussion. And nine times out of ten, players will sit there and fib and say, I feel fine, I'm good to go, put me out there. We know this. It is documented over and over and over again by former players. They will tell you that's how they approach it. (sighs) 24 years old. Not awesome. Not awesome. When we come back here in RP3 and company, we'll actually recap the game without the two injury. Good win for the Bengals. It wasn't the prettiest game, but they do get now to 2-2 two and two on the season. And once again, wide open NFL this year. Bengals could be getting back on track. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, The game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country. The 13th Gate. Call. It's one of Hannah's favorite places to go. Just text the word GATE to 337-283-8100 to be entered to win a pair of general admission passes. That's GATE, G-A-T-E, to 337-283-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions in the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're talking Thursday night football. Tua's injury. Scary stuff, man. Scary stuff. And look, if you, the NFL, and you're adamant about keeping Thursday night football, which they're going to be because, you know, they get like a billion dollars. Okay, great. I got your solution. I got your solution for player safety. It's very simple. I've said this before. I'll say it again. So you adamant about having a team play on Thursday night, right? Okay, great. The team gets their bye week the week before. Bye week, Thursday night football, and then they play the next Sunday. There you go. Problem solved. 
Now, you won't be able to have those early season Thursday night football games. And some teams will have to have a bye early on. But that would fix your problem. Just saying. For the actual game, though, Bengals get the win, 27-15. This was an ugly game, not only because of Tua's injury, but neither one of these offenses really got going. Tyreek Hill balled out, which we all expected. But even Joe Burrow was a little bit muted, if you will, in this ballgame. Neither team got to the quarterback all that much. Only one sack was recorded in this game. I'm sorry, two sacks were recorded in this game. One on Joe and one on backup quarterback. Or no, one on Joe and one on Tua. Teddy Bridgewater came in for the injured Tua, did an okay job. They had a chance there. They rallied, but this was a 14-12 to game at halftime. Miami adds a field goal there in the third, and we headed to the fourth, and this was 15-14. to The quality of play in the NFL so far this year has not been good. Cincinnati steps it up in the final quarter. Joe starts leading them on some drives, but the Dolphins have a chance. But Teddy Two Gloves, who I love, man, that, that was a terrible throw. Just an awful throw. He and the tight end were not on the same page. Picked off. Great return. And then Joe takes care of the rest. That gives the momentum all all to Cincinnati. They have the lead. And then Joe marches him down the rest of the way. He throws that big pass to Jamar Chase. Hooks up with them. And then he throws the touchdown, the short little touchdown pass to Hurst. That pretty much puts the game away. Miami tries to move down the field, but it was already too little, too late. 27-15 victory. Joe, 20 of 31, 287, two touchdowns, no picks, only sacked once. It's a very workmanlike performance by him. Nice performance by him. Joe Mixon, 61 yards on 24 carries, only two and a half a pop, but he did score a touchdown, which was key in this game. <clears throat> Bengals and running the football, something to keep an eye on because Joe is an absolute stud. T. Higgins goes off yet again after the sensational touchdown catch against the Jets the week before. He goes off for seven catches for 124 yards. Tyreek Hill, meanwhile, for the Dolphins, 10 catches for 160 yards. No touchdowns, but I'm fairly for certain somebody had him on their fantasy football team and, and is probably happy today. But a big win for Cincinnati because you can't really start off one and three, right? You just can't. And beating the Jets is nothing to write home about. But now they're two and two. And now, hey, because the AFC North is absolutely wide open, Cleveland is playing surprisingly better than we anticipated. With their whole quarterback situation, Pittsburgh is, yeah, well, Pittsburgh's kind of a mess. And the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, who may win the MVP. He is sensational, but their defense is awful. But after losing to the Steelers and the Cowboys, they now beat the Jets and the Dolphins. 
They have a huge game against the Ravens. Then it's at Ravens, at Saints, at home versus the Dirty Birds, and then at the Browns. So this next four-game stretch for Cincinnati could be huge for them. I wonder if there will be a lot of people inside the Superdome to watch the Bengals take on the Saints. What do you think? Probably so. You think people will be mildly interested to watch Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase return to the venue where they won a national championship at LSU? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, good luck getting tickets for that game. We got to take a timeout. When we return, though, here on RP3 and Company, we'll stick with the NFL, New Orleans Saints. Last real media session was yesterday. We'll share what the players and coaches had to say as they gear up to take on the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday in London. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, It's time to kill two birds with one stone, help a good cause, and do some early holiday shopping. The Opelousa St. Landry Parish Rotary Club auction will be held on Tuesday on KDCG Channel 50.2 over the air, Cox 9, Charter 11, and LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 p.m., and viewers can bid on a variety of items, including gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes, and items can go for pennies on the dollar. So make sure to tune in for the Opelousa St. Landry Parish Rotary Club auction on Tuesday on KDCG. We've been talking NFL, Thursday Night Football, Tua's injury, and of course the Bengals getting a much-needed win to improve to 2-2 two and two overall on the season. The Saints, meanwhile, have been in London all week. They left Charlotte after the game against the Panthers, headed over to London early as they prepare to take on the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. And, well, it once again, it's not a must-win game. Boy, what's a needed win? Now, here's the difference there. There is a difference. <laughs> but you really don't want to start the season one and three. We've talked a lot on this show about Pete Carmichael. What's he doing with the play calling? There's a lots of questions when it comes to that. It doesn't feel like him and Jameis are on the same page. Once again, Carmichael... Reports where he didn't want the job when they first offered it to him and then they circled back to him with it. Eh, Not great. (laughs) Not great. And they've struggled with the play calling. Once again, Carmichael's called plays before, but you know what? Sean was around. So, just saying. Sean was around for those. But they may have a decision to be made. Jameis Winston was held out of practice again yesterday. He may not be able to go for Sunday's game, which means Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, may have to go. And Pete Carmichael talked about the big difference in a game plan for them on Sunday, whether it's Dalton or whether it's Winston. 
Well, I think as we're putting the plan together, I think that, um, you know, every week we meet at the end of the week when the plan's done and just kind of see, um, you know, what are, what, are you, what, are they, what are they comfortable with. And so if there's certain plays that one's more comfortable with than the others, then we'll go with that. So that's a good old-fashioned no answer, I like to call. <laughs> that's a ask a question and not really getting an answer there. That's what that is. Now, if they're still determined to have Jameis, who has the four stress fractures and the bum ankle, to play on Sunday, even though he hasn't practiced this week, how's that possible? What does Jameis need to do? to be ready to go on Sunday if he isn't practicing? Well, I think this. I think as part of the plan, he's in the meetings. He's getting the mental reps. Um, and so I think that uh, it was a little similar last week, except he was able to get out today as opposed to uh, what it is this week. But I think that he's preparing. He's in the meeting rooms and uh, watching the film and all the communication that's going to happen, he's, he's a part of. If you all play tomorrow, would James be able to go, you think? Uh, I wouldn't be able to answer that would have to come from Dennis or the trainers. Well, they they love not answering questions. <laughs> they, they they love. Pete Carmichael's like, ah, yeah, you got to ask Dennis. You got to ask the trainers. And if you ask Dennis Allen the same thing, he's like, ah, yeah, I got uh, You got to ask the trainers. Regardless of who's back there, the offense has not looked good for the first three games. It's in fact, it's looked awful. Dreadful with the exception of one quarter of play in the opener at Atlanta. The rest of the time, it's looked bad. And Carmichael was asked, you know, what is the reason for these slow starts for the offense? Yeah, I, I'll just start and say I got to do a better job. I know, um, you know, last week we felt we had a couple good drives that stalled out with some penalties. And, and again, we're turning the ball over too much. And uh, we're not converting on third down as, as well as we should be. So that starts with me. Love the accountability, but that's what all coaches say, right? Starts with me. I got to do a better job. Okay, well, well, how? How are you going to do a better job? What are you going to do that's better? Once again, I have questions. I have follow-up questions that are neither or either not being asked or just dismissed. Not really for sure. Adam Troutman. Has yet to live up to his potential as a pass-catching tight end. He was a great pass-catching tight end in college. He's a good run blocker, but he hasn't developed into a go-to reliable target in this offense for the New Orleans Saints. But he could be. He could be someone that they could count on. It'd go a long way if you could start depending on the tight end position because they're not getting anything out of it. And he talked about his confidence level from his standpoint. If it's Andy Dalton or if it's if Andy Dalton is forced to go out there, if Jameis can't. Yeah, I mean, we're our whole yeah whole quarterback room. We're very confident. Um, if that's the case, um, then you know we have a lot of confidence in him. He's a guy who's done it for a very long time and has done it at a very very high level. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're gonna have all the confidence in the world in him, uh, in Taysom, and you know everyone else. So uh, yeah, that didn't sound very confident. I'm <laughs> sorry, I just it didn't sound like very confident to me. Um, now, they made the decision to get there early because they thought it would benefit them. 
not to have to worry about the jet lag later in the week. You just embrace it. You go, you get there, you get set up, and you start bonding. You start just focusing on the game at hand. And, and Troutman said how he's felt like practice has gone a little bit smoother because of that. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people felt the same way yesterday when we started practice, and it was like, oh, my God, I haven't moved since Sunday. And sitting on the plane forever, um, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it definitely feels like today I know everybody felt much better than we did yesterday. So um, it's obviously an advantage thing because we got out here early in the week. So, uh, yeah, we all feel better. Defensively, they've played well, but they haven't been dominant like they've been in the past. They've already given up a couple hundred-yard rushers. And yeah, they've been struggling to get to the quarterback. Pressures have been an issue for the defense. And they're playing a pretty good Vikings team. Got a pretty good quarterback, got a good running back, and got an absolute stud at wide receiver with Justin Jefferson, who may be one of the top five guys in the league. And Cam Jordan, captain and multiple pro bowler, all pro, said, elaborated, what is really kind of the cause right now of the defense's run game issues? We talked about it this week, and it's just getting back to the fundamentals. It's everybody wanting to make plays, but taking that deep breath, if you will, and just focus on the techniques that you have in hand and getting back to what we what we do, what is our standard. You see Atlanta game, that wasn't our standard. You see Tampa game, our standard. You see uh, this last game wasn't our standard. Uh, you can't have that roller coaster. To be even kill is exactly where we need to be. Um, and I mean, me and the D-line have talked about it. Everybody gets so, so amped up, so excited to take the field that sometimes it's like, I need to do more, when really we just need to do our jobs and focus on doing your job and a lot is going to happen for you. I like that. Just do your job. And that's going to begin Sunday for the New Orleans Saints as they take on the Minnesota Vikings. You can listen to that game starting at 9 o'clock right here on the game. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, oh, man, we're going to talk about Latin Fest. It's this weekend at Park International with our old friend Carly Viator. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a brand new fence, chain link or privacy, a pool or a garden, gazebo, swing set, you know, it really doesn't matter. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid Avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free, and guess what? It's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. It's a busy weekend here in Acadiana. We already know about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're holding homecoming this weekend with South Alabama coming to town on the gridiron. But you know what? There's also a great event that you can go to Saturday night at Park International. It's Ladin Music Fest. They have a slew of things on tap. Great artists, great food. You can experience the bold and beautiful Ladin culture here in Acadiana. And to talk to us about it all is our friend from Festival International, Carly Viator, is here. 
Carly, good morning. Uh, you'd never take any time off, apparently. Apparently, you love being super, super busy 24-7, 365. Yeah, you're right. I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> There's <laughs> something wrong with her, she says. No, you're you're a hard worker, and you're out there, and you're trying to do great things for the community with another tremendous event. So tell us a little bit about uh, Aladdin Music Fest, how it came to be, and what it's all about for those who maybe haven't heard about it or haven't been able to come to the show yet. So Latin Fest has actually been around for over 20 years, um, but this is only the second time we've partnered as Festival International with ACLA to put on Latin Fest, um, the last time being in 2019. So it's been a while, and this year we have taken it to the next level. We have um, international and local Latino musicians coming in to play, and it's going to be an amazing event from 4 to 10 this Saturday. And we also have five food vendors coming. So the food, the music, the art, the family fun, that's all what Latin Fest is all about. It's, it's also an event that prides itself on being family-friendly. Kids under the age of 12 get in free. But it's an event that the whole family can go to. It's just not an adult thing. The whole family can go to. And that's great here for Acadiana to have one of those events that you guys put on all the time. And here's yet another one. You're exactly right. Uh, we're all family-oriented people between Festival International and the guys over at ACLA. So having a family-friendly event is so important to us. And that's why we wanted to offer Kids 12 and Under free, like you said, so that no one feels deterred from coming because there is a $10 fee to help us put this awesome event on. But um, kids get in free. There's a children's area, a baby's area, and um, we're also doing some really awesome prizes on site. So be sure to swing by the Telemundo tent. They're going to be running our giveaway, uh, our prize giveaway. So go put your kid's name in there and you could win a bike or some other awesome stuff. Thanks to ACLA and Walmart for getting that together for us. Now, you're mentioning all these great areas, these zones for kids and everything like that. Is there an area for, I don't know, 44-year-old men who have no rhythm and tend to fall down just walking out of the house? Is there an area for those type of men? Because uh, I, I'm, I'm asking for a friend. Well, you can tell your friend there's no discrimination on the dance floor. Everyone's welcome. All ages. Get out there and boogie. No one cares if you know what you're doing. So you, I mean, your friend is going to be just fine. Thank you, Carly, as always. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, musical lineup. You, you have some heavy hitters, including a, a Cuban superstar. Tell us about the musical lineup that you're going to be having out there tomorrow at Park International for uh, the Latin Fest. So I'm super excited about the music. Uh, Festival International had the pleasure of taking over the programming for this event. And so with that, we brought in, like you said, this Cuban superstar who actually played Festival International this year. And he was so amazing and mesmerized the, the crowds and had everyone, including me, getting down. So we had to bring it back. When we heard Latin Fest, we said, Seema Funk. So he is going to be coming back and closing um, him and his amazing group. They start, I believe, around 8 o'clock this Saturday. Um, and before that, we're going to have Malentina and the Latino Lafayette All-Stars, which Valentino's like the Latino Princess of Lafayette. She's doing some great, great stuff musically. She's a dancer, and she has a, um, a team of all-stars behind her. And then we have a couple groups coming in from New Orleans as well, Rumba Buena and T uh, Linda Tierra. So be sure to come and support all of these different national, international groups that we're lucky to be bringing to Lafayette, to Latin Fest.
You know, Carly, you guys do such a tremendous job with Festival International with the the music and representation on a global scale of all cultures and backgrounds and ethnic groups. And yet here you guys are again, helping put the spotlight on Latin culture. Why is it so important to do that? You guys could have just said, hey, you know what? We're just going to focus on our big production. Uh, that that That's a year-round production. You guys are always working on that. Why was it so important to partner up and be part of putting the spotlight on Latin culture and music? Well, there's a great population um, of Latinos in our area, so we definitely are all about, you know, celebrating all cultures, like you said, but we we see the potential in this festival that's already great. It's been around for 20 years, but um, we understand ACLA is a, a nonprofit like us, and we have these tools and this network in the community that can help elevate this festival and put them, you know, out there to new audiences. And it also helps us connect to new audiences as well. And the opportunity to focus on one culture that, you know, there are a lot of Latinos in our in our community has been really, really cool to just hone in and see what that's all about and um, to give us to give us something to focus on and celebrate during Latin Heritage Month. Carly, appreciate your time. As always, once again, tell the folks where they can go to get more information about Latin Fest. Once again, that's going on tomorrow, 4 to 10 at Park International. But where can they go to get more information and where can they get their tickets? So everything you need to know and your tickets are available at festivalinternational.org. Just click Latin Fest and you can get the full rundown. We announced our official schedule this week and grab those tickets. And we cannot wait to see you out there this Saturday from 4 to 10. Carly, thank you so much for your time. Hope you have a tremendous weekend and I hope this year's Latin Fest is the best yet. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's always a pleasure. We'll see you all real soon. That's Carly Viator with Festival International. Once again, Ladin Fest is tomorrow at Park International, 4 to 10, $10 admission. Kids 12 and under get in free. It's a family-friendly event with great music and great food. Make sure to go check it out. We got to take a timeout, wrap up our number one here on RP3 and Company. When we come back, our number two on this Friday edition of our show. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Poll question of the day. It's a good one. Who's the best chance to win its conference game this Saturday? We got some important college football action on tap. We didn't really get to it in hour number one because we were reacting to the Thursday night football game where the Miami Dolphins are apparently taking the approach of throwing their quarterback out there to see how many injuries he can sustain. It was like watching squid games. Who is the best chance to win its conference game Saturday, though? Is it McNeese at Incarnate Word? Is it the Louisiana Ver- or Raging Cajuns versus South Alabama? homecoming for the Cajuns or is it LSU on the plains at Auburn right now 69% of you say LSU at Auburn 21% say UL versus South Al and 10% for McNeese at Incarnate Ward keep those votes coming 
on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and I promise we will share them throughout today's show. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Salty Steve, my man, who said, uh, because in our interview to wrap up our number one with Carly Viator from Festival International, they're putting on Latin Fest on Saturday at Park International, and I made the joke, uh, go, Haha, you know, is there any events there for, you know, 44-year-old men who have no rhythm? asking for a friend and she said of course don't be afraid salty steve our buddy says of course there's a place for men in their 40s with no rhythm you can be the quarterback for the tampa bay bucks oh that's clap it up for salty steve clap it up for salty steve but now it's time for us to talk a little major league baseball six games left weekend series on tap then three games early next week. Strohs, they're looking to go ahead and get home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs. Their magic number is one. And to break it all down for us is the man behind the Lima Time Time podcast. He's also a contributor to the Houston Chronicle. He's also a soon-to-be championship-winning girls soccer coach. James Yasko joins us now. James, good morning. How are you? Good. I'm very well. I was thinking about John Olerud this morning uh, for, 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 no, for no real reason. So maybe a little. <laughs> she just muted your microphone on the air. <laughs> Would you unmute James Yasko? He is our guest. Sorry, James. Sorry, James. She muted you. Little Brett Boone. <laughs> I told Ray before you came on, I said, if he says one Mariner name, I'm muting his mic. <laughs> hey, soon to be, you just got to win one more game, five names. Your Mariners are now in second place in the wild card standings. And uh, you look, you, you win tonight, boom, you punch your ticket. You just hopefully don't need extra innings to beat the Rangers. Yeah. I guess the A's tonight. Oh, even worse. Even we more. just lost a series to them. Yes, you did. Sadly. Yes, you also lost series to the Angels as yeah. well in mm-hmm. the last month. It hasn't Dying. been good for it's the Mariners. Fine. No, that's fine. Everything's fine. No, no, nothing to see here. Nothing is on fire, for sure. <laughs> like, there's nothing to be concerned about there. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, all right, brother. Um, would you make a Dusty Baker's comments? And I, I know he's old school, so I wasn't totally surprised by this. Of Due to the integrity of the game, you can expect to see... Altuve and Breggs and Alvarez and Tucker and the rest of the get-along gang playing this weekend and playing in the three-game series against the Phillies. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. You know, I mean, if, if now if one of them gets hurt, then, you know, revisit it. But, you know, that can happen at any point. You know, the, the point is that, um, you know, they're going to have, what, it's like six days off between between their last game on Wednesday and and game one of the ALDS. And so, you don't, you know, we, we've you've seen it happen so many times where just the number of days off can, can, can ne- you, you sort of get out of a rhythm. And so you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're about to start the playoffs and you've got guys that haven't played in 10 days. So, you know, it's it's not surprising from Dusty's standpoint, but but I also think like there's there's some legitimacy to it. There is, and because of that week off like you're talking about, they wouldn't play until the 11th. 
So you're going to have time to rest and recuperate and that, that whole nine yards. Everyday players, he's going to play. He'll probably, what, substitute them late in the game is probably what he's going to do there if he takes them out at all. But what about the pitching staff? What about Verlander and McCullers and those guys? What do we expect to see from them in these last six games? I think it's the same thing. You know, I mean, essentially with, with the number of days off from the end of the season to the beginning of the playoffs, you know, it's, it's, you're essentially already skipping a start uh, just with, with five days, um, sort of that, that five-day break in between six-day, whatever it is. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's sort of the same thing, you know, get them, get them some work uh, and, and keep them up. One thing to, you know, I know that the Astros just played the Rays uh, in Tampa, you know, what, last week or something like that. Um, you know, that's a potential, that's a potential ALCS matchup. I mean, you, you just don't know. And so, you know, you want, you want to be able to, 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 especially with your hitters, you know, I mean, you're looking at Shane McClanahan on Saturday, starting tomorrow for, for Tampa. You, you want to see him and, and you want to let your guys see him. So, you know, kind of the same thing uh, with the pitchers that, that, you know, that, that this is a potential pennant winning series that, and, and if you don't let the, if you don't prepare the, as best you can, you know, it, it can backfire. So no, let them, let them play. I agree because they want to, they, they found themselves a little bit after the August slump, they got back on track in September you want to be able to close out the regular season feeling good, feeling like you're in a rhythm heading into the postseason. Uh, and so I get it, and I, I love Dusty's approach here as well. With a week to go, less than a week to go, six games now left, all of them are going to be at home. What are you wanting to see from this team? In particular, are there a few players that you want to see kind of maybe find themselves, so to speak, whether it's in the batter's box or on the bump? Uh, I mean, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice for, for Jake Myers, you know, to, to come in and, and have a little bit of success, you know, kind of had a rough go of it, uh, you know, in his stint with, with Houston. One, one thing I'm keeping my eye on and I, and I, and ultimately does it matter? No, but if, if they win all six games, they set the franchise record, you know, for, for wins in a season. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's cool. That'd be cool. You know, I mean, after losing George Springer, Garrett Cole, Carlos Correa, uh, Michael Brantley to, to injury, you know, you still, you're still a 102 win team. I mean, that, that speaks a little bit to the quality of the opposition in the AL West. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, but you know, I mean, it, but it to, also it, speaks to the organization though, James, it, it, that, it does. It, okay. It really does. And, and it's just, you know, I, I think at the beginning of the season, I predicted 94 and 68, you know, I, I, I thought there would be a step back from wrong. You know, just, Failure. I was very wrong. I was extreme. I'm, I'm happy to be wrong uh, in in that respect. So just you know, having another hundred win season. Um, I was thinking about this. My every at, on the last day of the regular season, my my daughter and I take a picture together. Uh, and so and and we started this in in 2012. That's nice. And and so this will be this will be her 11th picture. But you know, someone asked me. Uh, a few years ago, like, why didn't you do it on the day that the Astros season actually ended? I was like, cause in 2012, I couldn't fathom the Astros making the playoffs. Like the end of the regular season was the end. Like that was, that was it. And, and now we're at, we're at the point where the Astros have, 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 uh, you know, made it to the ALCS, you know, in half of the years that she's been alive. That's insane. So, you know, it's any, any 
this is just a golden age and Astros fans need to need to recognize that. Will Smith. Um, you're welcome, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about Jane Cotarizzi. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that was not a really a trade that has helped either team all that much. <laughs> Is it? It's not. It's not great. Jake has not been. Uh, uh, has not been playing optimal for my Braves. And and Will Smith uh, wetted the bed uh, yet again the other night uh, for uh, for your Strohs. Uh, is is Smith going to make the postseason roster? I think so. You know, just the 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 fact that he's the only lefty in there. Ah, uh, that's uh, true. That's true. I think. I think you know that he's he's worth he's he's worth <laughs> I guess he's worth having around. Um, Maybe he tells Joe he's a good, you know, good prankster, you know, a lot of livens things up in the bullpen. I don't know. Smells nice, maybe. Uh, kind of looks like a like a cologne guy a little bit. So, yeah. Looks, no, looks like a cologne guy? Is that what you just said? Cologne guy, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, told, I mean, he just kind of, yeah. Looks like he really cares about how he smells. And and that's important in the club. Hey, you, you know who was a big cologne guy back in the day? Joey Core, famed second baseman for the <laughs> Seattle Mariners. He was a big cologne guy. <laughs> He's a big cologne guy. See, I'm going to say something, then she's going to mute you. She's not even paying attention right now. <laughs> We're talking with James Yasko of the Lima Time Time podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Robinson Cano. Oh, nice, 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 nice. I was going a little bit further back. She made she you were, that still playing. That was real good. Yeah, he's, he's performed really well for the Braves, too. Mm. Um, no, he didn't. So, w- look. They're the best team in the American League. They're going to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Dusty's going to play his guys, and they're going to be ready to go. As it stands right now, though, as great as this team is, do you have any question marks still about the Strohs as they wrap up the regular season and head into the postseason? No, none. Uh, every, Every question has been asked and answered. Um, you know, how will they withstand the loss of Carlos Correa? Well, they, they're, they're going to win, you know, the, the hundred win. They're going to win hundred games. They're going to get home field advantage. Um, so no, I mean, the, the only question is, uh, what random devil magic is going to happen, uh, in, in October. And, and I'm not looking forward to finding out the, the answer to that question, but you know, the, no, they've, they've done everything they had to do. Uh, and they've, they've done it at a, at a high level the way that they've been doing it for the last six seasons. And, and now it's, now it's just, it's, it's just time to go. It, it's go time for the Astros. So no, there's no questions. Uh, just go, just go do it. Do you have a preference on who to face out of the wild card round? Because obviously you'd face the winner as it stands right now, Toronto's the one Seattle's the two and Tampa who's fading a little bit is at the three. So, do you have a preference on who you would want to face in the divisional round? I mean, just you know, the the the, the level of familiarity with the Mariners, you know that that can that can sort of go both ways. Um, you know, I do think the I think the Mariners absolutely hate the Astros, so you know there there might be a, a little bit of uh, extras, a little extra something to to that series should it happen. Tampa is just has a pitching staff full of full of like one inning cyborgs that can throw 117 miles an hour. Uh, and you know, they've got Randy Arozarena who nobody has figured out. Just walk that guy. Like don't let, don't let that, don't let him be the one guy that beats you. Um, and then, you know, 
who, who's the who am I missing? Who's the other one? You have Toronto, Seattle, Toronto. And Tampa. Uh, yeah, no one's ter- There's no one terrifying, and that's just sort of because that's except Baltimore. I, thank God Baltimore is not going to be in there. I, I, I wouldn't watch the game. Like I would just go sit in the Catholic church uh, and pray the rosary for the entire time that the, the Astros and Orioles were in the stupid ALDS. So I don't, I don't know. There's not really, I mean, there's not really a preference. There's pros and cons to each team. And if they've gotten this far, then they're at least marginally a marginally decent team. There's not that many good teams in the American league, but if you've made it this far, then you're at least, not embarrassing so but but you do have the advantage of not having to worry about cleveland right because the guardians we've talked about that they look like one of the the most dangerous teams in major league baseball right now and they'll face one of the wild card teams in on, on the other end and if they move on they'll play the yankees so you get to avoid the guardians that may be more key than say who you have to face in the wild uh, the wild card winner that you'll face in the division series <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, the Cleveland, they're they're one of those teams that you're that you kind of keep an eye on because they've they've gotten hot at the right time. Um, you know, I, I guess somebody has to win the AL Central, and and no, it didn't feel like anybody really wanted to there uh, for, for a well, while, and then well, was like fine. We'll, yeah, Tony Larusa we'll really didn't want to. So, yeah, no, good. I, I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> and so the yeah, no, I mean. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to avoid, and I think anybody would be happy to avoid that short series because you just never know, <coughs> excuse me, what's going to happen. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Like it's going to be fun to watch and, and kind of fun to keep an eye on. It'd be absolutely hilarious if the if the Dodgers got bounced in the first round. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun couple of weeks until until the Astros get going. Week and a half, I guess. One more question, bud. Uh, what do you think? Uh... Former Mariners left fielder Darren Bragg's doing these days. What do you think? <laughs> Selling insurance is what, is what I'm going to guess. I mean. <laughs> and there goes my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> James, appreciate you, Tom, as always. But tell the people, hey, when you guys drop in the uh, the latest episode of the pod? Uh, probably, probably this weekend. Um, you know, it, it depends on on Hisashi Iwakuma's uh, availability. So. Uh, this weekend enjoy your weekend brother (laughs) we'll talk to you next friday have a good one it's james yasko man's bringing knowledge bringing insight bringing the ability to be muted by producer extraordinaire hannah five names yeah y'all y'all were both lucky that i moved both of y'all the same time it would have been a hannah and company show instead oh Look, we're just trying to help you understand the history of your favorite baseball team. But it's throwing out random names, and then I got to figure out and remember all these names, and then go back and look at their history, and then figure out when they play. And then... It's called <laughs> education. Look, hey, look, I understand that you got your degree last year, okay? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're proudly wearing your class of 2021 shirt. That's great. But mm-hmm. you know what? Learning doesn't stop once you get out of school. No, that's why you gave us three like book assignments to read. How'd that turn out for y'all? <laughs> there it is. There it is. Mizzou. Big Suey. That's all I got. That, that's outstanding. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this weekend, Trail is putting on the Sugar Man Triathlon this Sunday, October the 2nd, at Sugar Mill Pond in Youngsville. Spectators are invited. It's an all-road sprint. 
5,500-meter swim. I just can't even wrap my brain around that. A 15-mile bike ride through Sugar Mill Pond Development. Volunteers get to receive a free, some free food, drinks, and a shirt. If you want more information or you want to register to take part in the triathlon, go visit latrail.org. That's latrail.org. Trail is a nonprofit dedicated in building and improving outdoor recreation and local parks in the area. We got to take a time out. We'll update the poll question of the day, get to your comments. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Who has the best chance to win its conference game on Saturday? Once again. McNeese opens up Southland Conference play at Incarnate Word over in lovely San Antonio. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns are playing their second Sunbelt Conference game against rival South Alabama. And this is a rivalry that stems from baseball and basketball that has bled over into football, being with the Jaguars since they brought it back about 10 years ago. Or is it LSU going to the Plains to take on Auburn? Tigers slash War Eagle slash Plainsman. Right now, 69% of you say it's LSU. 20% say Louisiana versus South Al. And 11% of you say McNeese versus Incarnate Ward. Let's get to some comments. You guys post them. It's the least we could do is share them. Ton, Pumpkin Spice, on the Twitter says, Gotta be LSU. USA has been a thorn in the Cajuns' butts for the last few seasons, and Incarnate Word is a pretty solid team. Auburn really isn't what their record says they are and should be beatable even on the plains or sky or jungle or whatever their location is. Outstanding tweet by Tom. Brad says, the Auburn Wavery is the Twilight Zone series, but every now and then a blowout happens. This one may not be a total laugher, but I think LSU wins comfortably. And he shares a gif of Jack Torrance from The Shining. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, McNeese medicine season. We do not know, but should have that UL is in a medicine season also. It seems LSU just cleared its growing pains, plus Auburn is not good at all. Martin, the vice chancellor of ERAF, not related to poll question, but did someone say Brett Boone and Jay Buner? LOL. Sorry, Hannah, five names. Do you know who Brett Boone or Jay Buner are? Buner are. They were great members of those mid to late 90s Seattle Mariners teams. Just saying. Lifelong Mariners fan. Just saying. <laughs> just She's just ignoring the comment as if it does not exist. <laughs> Outstanding. Five names is like, I'm not dealing with your shenanigans. I've already had to deal with James Yasko this morning. That is enough. It is too early for all of this. Thank you very much. Go on your way. Bye-bye. <laughs> Over on Facebook, 
Willis Bork says, LSU. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. And hey, a reminder. We had Carly Viator on earlier today, but just a reminder. Park International is going to be a buzz this Saturday for Latin Music Fest. The family-friendly event puts the spotlight on the beautiful and bold Latin culture in our community. Celebrate the taste and sounds of Latin culture. Admission is only $10. Kids 12 and under get in for free. And Cuban superstar Semifunk headlines the lineup of Latin musical artists. That's the Latin Music Fest this Saturday from 4 to 10 at Park International in downtown Lafayette. For more information, visit festivalinternational.org. We got to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk a little LSU and Auburn with J.J. Jackson. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports Sports station. station. LSU Auburn. Even when the teams are down this series, well, it produces some wacky, crazy results. Missed field goals and windstorms, crazy touchdowns, moments that have made this rivalry one of the more underrated and underappreciated rivalries in the SEC. And it will be renewed tomorrow, Saturday. LSU Auburn on the Plains. And to give us some perspective on this from the Auburn side of things is the man who's the sports call Auburn radio host jj jackson joins us now here on rp3 and company jj good morning to you brother thank you for making the time man absolutely excited to chat with you here and like i said auburn and lsu is always such a fun football game i'm tickled to death that we're now just one day away from actually seeing what's going to play out on the field so should be a lot of fun Let's talk about just the storm that continues to revolve around Brian Harslin and the program. It was there in the offseason, and then his performance and his presence at SEC Media Days that both of us were at there in Atlanta kind of calmed things down, I thought. I, I thought it was a nice approach, and I thought he handled himself extremely well, but the way the team has played... It's just kind of ramped up, and all these reports are, hey, he's going to be fired after the Missouri game if they lose, and then other reports saying, well, he's already fired. They're just waiting for him to lose another game. It just seems like complete chaos involving the program. What is it like over there for you being involved in being there and covering this team? Yeah, and, and hearing from fans every day on our radio show, it is absolute chaos. That's the best way to describe it, Raymond. I mean, it's been a roller coaster, uh, to say the least, to kind of go through all of the uh, different highs and lows of this Brian Harson era so far. You're right. At SEC Media Days, Harson did a lot in, in a good way to kind of win back a lot of the fan base uh, publicly in front of everybody, silencing all the noise that was uh, unjustly there for him in February. But then all of a sudden, you have the results of the Penn State football game earlier. Uh, you have Auburn still 
struggling mightily out on the recruiting trail, uh, and, and you see other teams across the conference playing good football and the uh, you know change in athletic directors since SEC media days has come and gone. It seems like that seat is super warm for Brian Harson. What ails this football team? Yeah, I mean the offensive line is where you got to start first and foremost because you've got a couple of different quarterbacks that we've seen play already in T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford uh, after Bo Nix's decision to transfer and go play at Oregon for this football season. And, you know, at SEC Media Days, everyone's talking about St. Bigsby, and rightfully so. It's the first-team All-SEC running back, but you can't really get him going because the offensive line isn't opening up the best holes for him to be able to execute what he wants to do in the ground game. So, uh, the number one thing, Raymond, is that offensive line. I mean, they've got to find a way to get better performance out of them if they want to be more successful the rest of the way here. Quarterback play has been, let's be honest, inconsistent. I know they had the Texas A&M transfer. They got injured, so he hasn't been able to play. T.J. Finley's banged up, and now they're essentially really on their third quarterback. Um, what's the confidence level that even if the offensive line plays better moving forward and starting with tomorrow's game against LSU, that the quarterback play is going to be better? Yeah, it's uh, certainly not as high as it was a year ago. We look at that Auburn and LSU game last season and Auburn not having won in Baton Rouge in 22 years. And then Bo Nix goes out and makes the miracle plays that Auburn fans will be talking about for the rest of their lives for them to win. I mean, we're not going to see that kind of uh, quarterback play the rest of the season from Auburn in my perspective or in my opinion. But with Robbie Ashford at quarterback, the reason I like him so much given these struggles that this Auburn offensive line has had, is that Ashford can use his legs to be effective, can move around a little bit. And you know as well as I do, Raymond, when you've got an offensive line that's kind of letting a lot of pressure get into your face and make your passing game a little bit more difficult, the best way to get out of that is to keep the defense honest and have a quarterback that can scramble and pick up 10, 15 yards whenever he so chooses. And Robbie Ashford has been able to do that through the first four games of the season. So if they can buy him a little bit more time, I think that passing game can improve a little bit the rest of the season. We're talking with Sports Call Auburn radio host J.J. Jackson. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we talk all things Auburn and LSU. You know, let's talk a little bit about this series. Obviously, LSU is playing better. They're the favorite team, even though they're the road team. But this is a series, J.J., and you know this better than most, it's so weird. Weird things happen. Bizarre things happen. You can always count on Auburn LSU to produce some sort of memorable moment year after year from the Auburn perspective, do they view this LSU series as one of their other rivals, obviously below Alabama and Georgia? Yeah, no, it's right there. It'd be number three. It'd be right behind Alabama and Georgia. Uh, love getting to see this game play out every single season. And it's just been wild, like you're saying. I mean, you go back to the last LSU win in 2019, even an LSU title team that was so dominant all season long, and it was an Auburn defensive front featuring Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson that put the most pressure on Joe Burrow the entire season. I mean, such a great game there in 2019 and 2016. You have the 18-13 uh, victory for Auburn over LSU, where Auburn only scores on six field goals, and then LSU runs out of time at the very end, and we find out the next day, that Les Miles has been relieved of his head coaching duties. And many people believe if Auburn had lost that game that day, that Gus Malzahn would have lost his job. 
the following day. So, I mean, and that's only going back to 2016. And, of course, this is a rivalry that's been played for many, many, many years. So, yeah, this is a, such a fun game to watch each and every year. And that's why I said off the top, I'm just so glad that we've made it to Friday. It's always one of those things, once game week starts, can we go ahead and get to the football game? Because I want to see what the next chapter of this rivalry is going to look like. Let's talk about that next chapter, and that, of course, is tomorrow, Saturday. What's the buzz like over there on the Plains about this LSU team that's improving under first-year head coach Brian Kelly, and uh, what are they expecting? Yeah, I think they're expecting a good football game. I think if you were to ask uh, Auburn fans right now, you know, you could see uh, the, the spreads in Vegas, and you could see uh, lines shifting more in LSU's favor, and I'd certainly don't disagree with that given what we've seen out of this Auburn football team so far this season so uh, honestly I'd say there is a level of pessimism so far with this Auburn football team anything anytime and with the fan base anytime you've got all this outside noise regarding the future of your head football coach I don't know how a team can stay dialed in and stay so focused so I'm not behind closed doors I'm not sitting in on those team meetings I hope from the Auburn perspective that all those guys are buying in and wanting to play for one another and wanting to fight and play for their head coach, much like they were doing in February and supporting him. Uh, and that's why I think that I'm so excited for this game to be played. But from that LSU perspective, yeah, you saw that first week of the season and what a wild one that was with Florida State. But Auburn fans are definitely very well aware of what they've seen from uh, LSU over the last few games as they've improved as well. Uh, going into the fifth game of the season for both teams. If Brian Harslin wants to delay his firing and pull out a win against LSU this Saturday, what do the Tigers need to do and need to do well there at Jordan-Hare Stadium to pull out the win? Got to find a way to be able to run the football. They have not done that very well at all this year. Uh, and for an LSU team to kind of uh, – you want to be able to keep that defense honest. You want to be able to rely on, as I said, the first – team all SEC running back in Tank Bigsby and then on the defensive side of the football Auburn's got to continue to be aggressive their secondary has really struggled at times and LSU as we well know has a lot of dynamic weapons offensively that Jaden Daniels can throw the football to and a quarterback that can run and be mobile your secondary has to be more on point because any moment that he starts to run Wide receivers can create more separation, and maybe at the last moment he dumps it over the top of the secondary's head, and next thing you know, LSU's walking into the end zone. So uh, running the football on the offensive side and then really seeing the secondary shore up and play their best football is going to be the best formula for Auburn to have a chance of winning this football game. Do you believe Auburn will win, or do you think they're going to lose tomorrow? I do think it will be closer. I, I think that Auburn would cover that line in Vegas. I do think this ends up being a one-possession football game, but I think LSU finds a way to win this football game. I just think uh, there's a lot of noise, as we've talked about, and the offensive line, there's no proof that all of a sudden they're going to get better, and we saw them struggle last week against a Missouri defensive front that is nowhere near the caliber of the LSU defensive front. And one thing that we failed to mention uh, so far is that Auburn found out earlier this week that Tate Johnson, their starting center, is going to be out for six to eight weeks after he went through elbow surgery at the beginning of the week. So uh, more moving parts to an already struggling 
offensive line. So, yeah, if I were to say right now, I think Auburn makes it close. They've got the benefit of playing at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium, but I think LSU wins a one-score game. If that's the case, and it looks like he's probably going to get fired, I guess my last question to you, J.J., is does he deserve it? I mean, it's the second season. It's year number two. That's it, year number two. And we're talking about a coach being fired four games into the season. Uh, do you think he deserves that, or do you think he deserves to prove that he can turn it around in year number two and rally the team and do something special by the end? Yeah, I think he deserves a little bit of time. Uh, it's just you've got to find a way to be more productive uh, on the recruiting trail as well because, uh, again, for Auburn right now to currently be ranked the last out of every SEC team, that's just unacceptable, plain and simple. And if it's an Auburn football team that looks uh, destined to fail to reach a bowl game in year two, then that's a step back as a program, and you just can't have that having gone to a bowl game already in year one. I mean, you go back to that Penn State game, Auburn played a one-score game on the road last year, and it's a Penn State football team that lost several weapons from their team a year ago. You're now playing them at your house. You've got a big crowd hyping up the game. First time ever a Big Ten opponent is coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium, and the Auburn Tigers just didn't show up at all in the second half. There's uh, definitely just been a lot of chinks in the armor so far this year. And uh, from that reason alone, I don't know how Brian Harson's going to be able to rally and kind of save that job unless Auburn can all of a sudden get on a big winning streak here. And hopefully with the winning momentum, the recruiting momentum will pick up as that December signing day approaches. But uh, they've got to find a way to improve this recruiting class first and foremost, or it's only going to get worse. From here on out, Raymond, you and I know recruiting in the SEC, you got to have the big dogs, and uh, Auburn's got to find a way to get some of those. Ask Dan Mullen how that worked out, ignoring recruiting. (laughs) You know, that's how how it works, and you're exactly right. J.J., this has been a blast, man. It was great talking to you at SEC Media Days, and I'm so happy we're able to have you on here on the show. Can't wait to do it again. And, hey, man, uh, try to power through such a dull time to host a radio show there in Auburn. I just, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do with yourself. (laughs) Yeah, we'll find some time. I'm sure there are topics uh, that will help us get through this time for sure, so... Uh, between Auburn football and the start of the college basketball practice season up and rolling. we got a lot to discuss. So, uh, Raymond, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks for the invite today. J.J., keep up the tremendous work, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Will do. Thank you. That's J.J. Jackson, Sports Call Auburn radio host, joining us here, giving us a perspective from the Plainsman, War Eagle, other Tigers side of things. Once again, LSU-Auburn from the Plains tomorrow. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. Before you check out the game tomorrow, make sure to go visit my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. They offer the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you before, Chris and his team over at LMG provide more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now offers an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free showers. That's right. No muss, no fuss, and guess what? No odor from the grout. Make sure to visit their website lmgelite.com that's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer live inventory is going to be updated every single wednesday visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon to be renovated showroom located on i-49 north across from hub city ford in the jockey lot lafayette marble and granite they're looking to earn your business and trust me earn it they will
We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two here on RP3 and Company. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, me, oh, my, crawfish pie. It's time to face your worst nightmares with the game's 13th gate giveaway. Here's the thing. You heard us talk about the general admission tickets. What about some VIP tickets? Hmm? That way you don't have to wait in line to get your scare on for the legendary haunted house attraction. That way you can scream over and over again while others have to wait in line. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today to score yourself a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions in the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day before we wrap up our number two here on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company. We asked you, who has the best chance to win its conference game on Saturday? Is it McNeese traveling for its Southland Conference opener at Incarnate Word? Is it the Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on South Alabama at Cajun Field? It's homecoming. A lot of people are abuzz about this game. It should be a great game. Or... Is it LSU at Auburn on the Plains? Right now, 68% of you say it's the LSU at Auburn game. 21% say Louisiana versus South Alabama. And 11% say McNeese at Incarnate Word. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says the OD is back in the saddle. Been in Ireland, had to come home because I drank him out of Jameson. LSU all the way. Auburn is a wreck. Salty Steve says, please don't make me destroy. Hashtag no salt Friday. <laughs> Ralph Bergeron on Twitter says, hoping all three, but LSU's defense will dominate Auburn. Cajuns will have to play mistake-free football and get the offense rolling. If they do, Dave Schultz may be playing sad Yacht Rock Monday on his show. Sad Yacht Rock. Isn't Yacht Rock itself sad in nature? Just saying. When you listen to Yacht Rock, you listen to Christopher Cross, do you feel inspired? Do you feel joyful? It always seems to be a bit melancholy to me. Not a big Yacht Rock guy. Not a big Yacht Rock guy. I like my rock with dueling guitars. Less Christopher Cross, more Skinnerd. Just saying. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Let's not get sideways this morning. It's Friday. Come on now. Hour number two in the books. Final hour of today's show and final hour of the week coming up. Zach Miller, the RP3 and company fantasy football expert, will be joining us in about 20 minutes. And then after that, Ryan Hinton, Dat Boy Wolf. That's right, making his RP3 and company debut for the Big Easy Blitz as we preview Saints Vikings from London. Well, that's all coming up next hour. And we'll give you our picks for the weekend. McNeese, UL, LSU, and the New Orleans Saints. Five Names has been working on it for days. Looking through the data. Examining things, haven't you? Five Names. Tell the people you're ready. You've done more research on these picks than you've done on anything else since you've been working here. Yep, exactly. Number one priority. <laughs> This pick, 
this week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she, she's ready to go. Mm-hmm. You're ready to go. Ready. <laughs> Sorry, you like carved in stone. Feeling confident. Uh-huh. You're rocking yeah. your class of 2021 UL shirt, so you're ready to go. I would anticipate a W for the Cajuns from you and your predictions. Yes, yeah, since I'll be there, since it won't be just Matt this time. I'll make them win. Matt makes them lose by himself, so. Oh. <laughs> Matthew's making them lose. What are you doing, Matthew? We'll talk all about that coming up. Hour number three. You listen to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Final hour of today's show has arrived, which means it's the final hour of the week. But don't be sad. we got a couple great guests lined up for you. Ryan Hinton will join us for the Big Easy Blitz. Zach Miller, RP3 and Company, Fantasy Football League expert, will be joining us as well. Whew, good stuff. We've covered a lot of bases. We covered Thursday Night Football. Tua, who appeared to have a concussion in Sunday's game when he was allowed to come back in that game, played this game four days later, was thrown to the ground like a ragdoll, and kind of scary, his arms and hands seized up. Which last time I checked, probably not a good thing for a quarterback. Just saying. Or, I don't know, any person. Taken to a hospital, and uh, they've now released him, and he's headed back home to Miami. So, yeah. We spent a lot of time talking about the NFL and their lack of integrity when it comes to you know, player health, and a lot of people questioned openly. Once again, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of people questioned why in the heck was he even playing after what appeared to suffer a concussion Sunday, but the Dolphins said it wasn't a concussion, it was only a back injury that made him stumble around like a drunk person. (sighs) Don't know. Don't know. I really don't. And does it feel like the Dolphins are trying to be like the Sharks of any given Sunday fame? A little bit. But I'm not a doctor. Not in that locker room. Don't know what's going on. I just know looking at it in real time and seeing it happen going, ugh. That said, Bengals did get the the much-needed win last night on Thursday night football to improve to 2-2. Two and two. Those white unis are clean as all get out. They looked really good. And the fact that they went with the white in the end zones with the logos and everything inside the stadium with the white jerseys and the white helmets looked really clean. I'm not a big alternate uniform guy, but those looked really nice. 
Burrow and company, they improved to two and two. Dolphins fall to three and one on the season. Saints gearing up for their game against the Vikings in London. That'll be Sunday morning. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. We'll have four games for you on Sunday. Saints will be kick it off in the morning at 9 o'clock, and then we'll go through the rest of the day with three more games. Wall-to-wall NFL action for you on Sunday here on the game. Saints are going to have to make a decision. Jameis Winston hasn't practiced. He didn't practice again yesterday. Andy Dalton's been taking all the reps. Where do they go? Do they go ahead and go with the red rifle? And if they do and the offense looks improved, do you have a quarterback controversy on your hands? Because that's usually how that works. If Andy can come in and guide the offense and they actually look competent, and they get to 2-2 two and two on the season, you're going to have a quarterback controversy on your hands. It is coming. It is coming. Astros, they begin their final stretch of the regular season. Three-game series this weekend, and then three games against Philly Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Dusty Baker's already said he's going to play his guys. Because remember, they're going to be the top overall seed, which means they'll have the first week off. They won't play in the wild card round. They won't play their playoff game until the 11th. So he's going to make sure his guys have all the playing time possible. So you're going to see some of those stars like Altuve, like Alvarez, like Breggs, like Tucker, Verlander, McCullers, Valdez. You're going to see those guys this weekend and early next week. As for Major League Baseball, wild card race is heating up. Seattle got a much-needed win. They're now in second place in the American League wild card standings. Blue Jays already punched their ticket as a wild card team. So there's only two spots available. And you got the Mariners, the Rays, and the Orioles fighting it out for that fi- for those final two spots. Looks like Baltimore is going to be on the outside looking in despite the great second half they've had. They're far more competitive and respectable now. But it's going to come down to the final week of the season, which is awesome. For the Mariners, I do believe if they win tonight, they're in. That's how that works. There were 5,273 blockbuster video locations in operation in the United States of America the last time the Mariners made the playoffs, which would have been 2001. 2001. Blockbuster was still part of our culture the last time the Mariners made the playoffs. So great season for the Mariners. Hannah Five names lifelong Mariners fan. She remembers it fondly. She was three. It's one of her earliest memories of her baseball fandom. Watching the Mariners crumble in the postseason in 2001. But no one would have thought that would have been the last time. Like, you just, the run they had there in the 90s and the early 2000s with the talent they had, King Griffey Jr. and A-Rod and Buner and uh, all those guys. They had Randy Johnson pitch for them. 
you never thought, oh, Seattle's just going to go away. And yet that's exactly what happened. So shout out to the Mariners. Shout out to Geoff Neal for that tweet. Got to give him credit. This is breaking news coming in less than 10 minutes ago, courtesy of Nick Underhill, who's in London covering the Saints for the New Orleans Football Network. Jameis Winston did not practice for a third day in a row. Would be surprising if he plays at all. That tells me everything I need to know. Andy Dalton, even though they haven't officially said it yet, Jameis didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Four stress fractures in the back. Now he's got an ankle injury. Don't forget he's coming off a season where he had to have off-season surgery. Going to be red rifle time. The ginger will be leading the Saints to victory on Sunday. Does this change our perspective? Does this change how we'll predict Sunday's game, knowing that Jameis, injured, banged up Jameis, may not be able to go? It could. It could. Quite possibly it may. Five names is deep in thought right now, seeing if she needs to change her picks. Just saying. Just saying. Look, you've seen how Jameis has performed. He's not himself. He's not the same guy he was before the injury last year. Part of that's play calling. Part of that is just Jameis making poor decisions. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the guy's coming off a surgery. He's got four stress fractures in his back, and he's got a bum ankle now. He shouldn't be out there. Probably shouldn't have been out there on Sunday against the Carolina Kitty Cats. But yet, they put him out there. Sometimes, as a head coach, as a coaching staff, you have to make the decision that's best for your player and your team. The player's always going to want to play. Jameis right now is probably telling his coaches, Coach, I'll be good to go. I'm ready to go Sunday. I want to play. But you got to be the one to step in and go, Hey, you know what? You're not quite right. Let's get you some rest. Let's get you fixed. We can make the best decision for the team to win the game. That's why the coaches get paid how much they get paid poll question of the day we asked you who has the best chance to win its conference game this saturday mcneese opens up southland play in san antonio against incarnate word louisiana is at home versus rival south alabama it's going to be homecoming for the raging cages and lsu travels to the plains to take on the auburn tigers slash war eagle slash plainsman Right now, 69% of you say LSU at Auburn has the best chance to win this conference game. 20% of you say it's UL versus South Al. And 11% of you say McNeese versus Incarnate Word. Look, LSU should win this game easily, I feel. This should be a double-digit win. But Auburn is always a weird game. We've had coaches get fired in this series based on what happens in this game. We have one coach that's on the hot seat right now. We are getting reports that Brian Harzen is already been fired. They just haven't gone through the process yet. He knows that he's going to get the axe. We've had some reports say that, so. Eh. But could Auburn rally around its coach? Could they play inspired football? It's going to be a great atmosphere. We'll see. I like LSU, though. 
And that leads us to our picks. McNeese, UL, LSU, and the New Orleans Saints. And I'm going to let producer extraordinaire Miss Hannah Five names start things off. Let's talk about the Cowboys. They got their first win of the season last week against Mississippi College, Division II school. The Choctaws came to town. And McNeese leaned on its running game to get the win. First win of the season. Now they opened up Southland Conference play against a team that has shared the conference championship, has been an FCS playoff team last year. And things got chippy last year. This is developing into a little bit of a rivalry between McNeese and Incarnate Word. Things have got chippy on the field. Handshakes have become awkward. Now, Incarnate Word has Lindsey Scott Jr., former LSU, former junior college, former Missouri, former Nichols quarterback. And he's faced off against McNeese last year multiple times. And McNeese got the better of him, by the way. There was one game he played poorly enough that they benched him during the game. But they have a high-powered offense with Incarnate Word. So what do you think? Cowboys open up conference play, producer extraordinaire. How do you like this game? What's your prediction? So I have McNeese still pulling out the win, 23-14, even though they have two of their starting cornerbacks are out for the season, and they also have running back D'Angelo Durham, who was out with his leg injury. So I think they still pull it out. I think they rally. They get behind the three guys that are out, and they figure out how to win 23-14. They got the win last week. Mm-hmm. But you're facing a passing offense and a quarterback who's also dangerous with his legs. You don't have the guys. You're down a running back. It's on the road. I don't know if they have the offensive firepower in particular with their passing attack to keep up. Now they can try to play keep away by running the football, eating the clock, and giving Incarnate Word less possessions. That's probably going to be the the mindset, the Mm -hmm. approach that they'll take. I just think Incarnate Word's the better team right now. Gary Goff is trying to build something. Once again, we talked about it, stripping it down to its studs and starting over. I think they show heart. I think they try to run the football. I think they keep this game close for a while. I think it's going to be Incarnate Word 35, McNeese 24. Let's go on to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They have had their 15-game national winning streak snapped and have lost back-to-back games against Rice and then inexplicably against ULM. It's homecoming this week. They know they still have everything in front of them to be able to win the West Division title and get back to playing for a conference championship game for the fifth consecutive year. Standing in their way, though, is the team that I think may be the best in the Sunbelt Conference. That's the South Alabama Jaguars. They're 3-1 and one on the season. They should be 4-0 and oh as they let the game get away from them against UCLA in the Rose Bowl two weeks ago, but they bounced back by crushing the faces of Louisiana Tech. Sure does feel like South Alabama is the better team. It sure does feel like it's their season. They should have beat the Cajuns last year. Didn't. How do you like in this game? It's homecoming. I mean, I, of course, I'm going to ride behind my team. So I'm going to say 24-21. I think it's still close. I think it's going to be a like, last-minute, you know, a couple of field goals to kind of inch it out, 24-21 for the Cajuns. It's homecoming. Come on. It's homecoming. And I'll be there. So I'll be the good luck charm since Matt's been the bad luck charm. And they're desperate for a win. They are. They need a win to get back on track. 
And if you look at their schedule, they have some tough opponents. Marshall, still there. Georgia Southern, still on there. Those are teams from the East. Still got to play Troy. They need a win. But I think this is South Alabama's year. I think it's South Alabama's year to win the West. I think it's South Alabama's year to win the entire conference. I think it's a hard-fought game. 27-24, South Al spoils UL's homecoming on Saturday. Let's go on to LSU. When these two Tiger teams face off, it is a train wreck. It is bizarre things that happen, missed field goals, crazy endings, coaches being fired. This is one of those series that you can really, it's a cliche, you can take out the records, you can take out the history and just set it aside because when Auburn and LSU meet, it is bananas. That said, boy, it sure does feel like LSU's going to win this one comfortably. How do you like the Battle of the Tigers on the Plains? I mean, with Hartson on the hot seat, I don't think it's going to be good for Auburn at all. But as you said, you know, it's been a train wreck of weirdness going on at those two games. So I think it's going to be close by a touchdown, no extra point, 30-24 for LSU. You like it closer than I do. I think this is going to be a comfortable win for LSU. I just, I think they're the better team. I think they're the better coach team. You're seeing the team buy into what Brian Kelly wants to do. Now, does that mean that they're going to go on and win 10 games this year? No. The schedule is going to get really tough really quick. Tennessee coming to town next week. Then it's on the road at Florida. Then back home against Ole Miss. The bye week and then Bama, Arkansas, A&M, and you throw UAB in there. So LSU needs this win. As desperate as Auburn may be to rally around its coach, LSU knows getting to four wins here gets going to put them in a great position to make sure to get back to a bowl game and cross that six-win, seven-win threshold that they're going to need to do against a difficult schedule. I like LSU to go on the road. I like them to win 30-17. to 17. I don't think this is as close as a game. I think LSU distances itself in the second half and pulls out a comfortable 30-17 to 17 victory. Their defense has been playing really, really well. Finally, the Sunday morning game in old London town. Saints, Vikings, Saints are one and two, desperately needing a win. It's not a must-win situation, but, man, they could use it in a big way. Kirk Cousins, Jefferson, that combination, they're going to have to make sure to defend that. I would assume Lattimore is going to be on Jefferson and try to take him out of the game. Justin had a tremendous week one, but since then he's been kind of a non-factor for the Vikings. Can Kirk Cousins make more plays against the rest of that Saints defense? Dalvin Cook is going to more than likely be a go or maybe a game-time decision. That could be a huge swing in this game. But for the Saints, it's all about them. It's got nothing mm-hmm. to do with Minnesota. <laughs> Looks like Andy Dalton's going to be playing quarterback since Winston missed practice yet again today. Offensive line has got to do better. Will Lutz has got to do better. Defense has got to do better. Dennis Allen's got to do better. Will they do better and get back on track to get to 2-2 two and two on the season? Sunday morning I mean I want them to I so badly want them to not only for my sanity but foot sanity I need a good Monday morning okay <laughs> that's what I need I need a good Monday morning but I think you know having any adults in and then also having that the Saints got there early and the Vikings didn't they didn't get as early so they kind of had a little bit mm-hmm. of a jet lag I think, I think it's helps. a close game I think the Saints do pull it out with Andy Dalton in makes me nervous so I would say 14 13 
Ooh. Saints win. I'll even oh, be a high-scoring game. That is going to be a dreadful score. That's a dreadful score. Yeah. But your logic behind it makes sense. I think them arriving early and being able to practice in London is going to be a huge, mm-hmm. huge factor in this ball game. And the fact that Winston hasn't gone, they're going to have to turn to Andy Dalton, who's been taking all the reps all week in practice. That's going to give them time to develop a rapport. We saw Jarvis Landry back at practice, Alvin Kamara. They're going to have a lot of those guys back. I think it's desperation time for the Saints. And even though it's not technically a must win, it feels like it is. It feels like it's a must mm-hmm. win for this team because the way the NFL is, they can get back on track and get to 2-2. Two and two. I like the Saints to win this game. It's not going to be pretty. It is going to be all types of ugly. But I'm thinking, whew, I'm thinking 21-20. Saints eke out a win over the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. Those are our picks. And if the last four weeks have been any indicator, (laughs) we will be completely off base and totally wrong. Yep. (laughs) So take it with a grain of salt. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk fantasy football with our fantasy football expert, former RP3 and Company League champion, Zach Miller, will join us right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Come celebrate German style and heritage at the Roberts Cove German Fest this Saturday and Sunday over in Roberts Cove off the exit there for rain on I-10. There's going to be traditional German cuisine, music, dancing, plenty of German cultural activities, a rice rice threshing demonstration, antique tractors, and you can even take home a German cookbook from the gift shop. The kid-friendly event takes place this weekend at St. Leo Catholic Church in Roberts Cove just off rain exit 87 on I-10. For more information, visit robertscovegermanfest.com. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Who do you like this weekend? Who has the best chance of winning their conference game? Is it McNeese, Louisiana, or LSU? Right now, it's time for us to get analysis, insight from a former RP3 and Company Fantasy Football League champion, a man who's going to push through this morning after a tough loss and after watching his quarterback get treated like a ragdoll. Zach Miller joins us now. Zach, how are you, bud? Are you doing okay? You need a hug? I'm doing okay, brother. I'm doing okay. Thank you for the offer. (laughs) Hugs are available. Um, Let's start there. Should Tua owners be concerned? Should they be looking for another option at quarterback after the, these two weeks back-to-back? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, if you 
if you drafted two as your QB one, um, you probably need to make sure you had a reliable, you know, generally healthy uh, second option. Uh, but most people, you know, drafted two as a you know flyer as a as a backup. Um, so if that's the case and you do have a a, a regular starter, yeah, certainly uh, it may be worth considering uh, dropping him in the interim and uh, maybe picking up somebody else in that same tier. Let me ask you about this as well. We're we're going through three weeks of the season, just started week four last night on Thursday Night Football, and offensively it has been kind of dreadful uh, overall, the the play on the field. Teams that typically put up a lot of points aren't. Teams are struggling, finding the end zone. Tampa Bay's offense has been awful. I mean, last night's game, uh, with the exception of the late touchdown, we're talking this is Tua with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and we got ourselves, uh, you know, a, a, a like you know, a low-scoring game in the twenties in the teens. Zach, what do you make of the low scores so far through the first few weeks of the season? You know, it's uh, scoring in general has been down across the league, like you alluded to, and it, it's hard for me to really figure out what exactly they attribute it to. Um, I mean, at this point, I forget the slow start. Maybe people adjusting to not having as uh, many preseason games, but at this point uh, is when you know teams should already be in their in their midseason form, and it just doesn't appear to be the case. And I don't think it's that all the defenses are vastly improved. It's just that uh, the offenses just really haven't been clicking. So, all right. So n- with that being said, obviously you just have to be kind of patient with everything. Let's talk about this week's matchups. Quarterback. Who do you like? Who do you like that's one of those second-tier guys that you say, hey, he needs to start, and who's a guy that you're sitting? Okay, so I told you last week to sit this guy, uh, Russell Wilson. He didn't have a very uh, good game either. He did not. Um, looked very, he looked very pedestrian. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say this week is the week that he gets it on track and actually gives Denver fans a glimpse of what they you know, signed up for. I think uh, going against the Raiders uh, is good medicine for any uh, quarterback who's reeling. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start Russell Wilson this week. All right, but I'm, who, all, yeah, I'm also going to sit Kirk Cousins. I, I said to start Kirk Cousins last week, and he had a better-than-average game as well. And this week uh, he's going against the Saints defense, um, who's held opposing quarterbacks to uh, 13 points on the season. Now, keep in mind that two of those quarterbacks were Mariota and Baker Mayfield. Uh, but, I mean, he, they even held Tom Brady to 11 points. So, um, the Saints defense uh, is not a very good matchup for Kirk Cousins. So if you have another option, I, I would uh, I'd be benching Cousins this week for sure. Let's go to running back quickly, bud. Start and sit. Jamal Williams, obviously, if you have him, you're going to start him, assuming that um, DeAndre Swift is out, which also signs point him being out. So if you're in that situation where you have Jamal Williams, he's going to get a workload uh, this week without DeAndre Swift in the mix. Uh, same goes for Khalil Herbert if David Montgomery happens to uh, sit, which signs point to him being out as well. Um, running backs that I'm sitting, Jeff Wilson, uh, he's the lead back in San Francisco right now. Um, he had 75 rushing yards last week, uh, but this week he faces a Rams defense that are a lot tougher against the run. So uh, this would not be a good week to Try it out, Jeff Wilson. All right, bud, wide receiver. Since you're benching Kirk Cousins, that means you're benching Justin Jefferson as well? 
you don't bench Justin Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as, as poor as he's played the last couple of weeks, uh, you just you, no, you, no be none of that. Somehow you have a better option than that, which I don't think anybody does. Uh, no, you're, you're not gonna uh, bench Jefferson. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna start Gabriel Davis. Uh, he missed week two. He had a very underwhelming week three. Uh, they're going against the Ravens, who get by far give up the most points to opposing wide receivers. Uh, and this looks like it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. So this should be a get-right game for Mr. Gabriel Davis. And uh, I'm going to bench Alan Lazard. Um, he was drafted around that same range as Gabriel Davis, but he was expected to be the de facto number one wide receiver in Green Bay because Rodgers notoriously doesn't throw to rookies. Um, well, Lazard is healthy, but last week uh, the rookie Romeo Dubs is getting more snaps and more targets uh, than a healthy Alan Lazard. So, um it doesn't look like he really grasped that wide receiver one role in Green Bay. All right, bud, quickly, last one, tight end and flex. Who do you sit? Uh, who do you start? Who do you sit? Okay, I'm going to start David Njoku. Uh, he's coming off of a huge game, uh, and he's going against the Falcons, who gave up the second most points to the tight end position. Um, he had a very slow start to the season, but uh, it looks like he's finally earning that contract that they signed him up for in the offseason. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to sit Dallas Goddard this week, uh, believe it or not. He's banged up right now, and they're going against the Jags, who given up the seventh fewest points to opposing tight ends. Um, and Hurts is really dialed in right now with Brown and Smith. Um, so just considering that Goddard is banged up and not really there, one of their first two options, I'm, I'm going to sit Dallas Goddard. Now, in that flex range, in that same matchup we were just talking about, I'm going to start DeMonte Smith. He's gotten 19 targets over the last two weeks. He's caught 15 of those for 250 yards. Uh, and somebody that I'm, I'm going to bench uh, in that flex tier is D.J. Moore. Uh, it's not necessarily the matchup against the Cardinals that's intimidating because they haven't been that great. It's just the simple fact that he only has seven catches and 88 yards through three games. Uh, and for whatever reason, him and Baker Mayfield are just not on the same page. Zach. Appreciate your time. As always, brother, good luck this weekend. I'm, I feel it. You're going to get your first win in the RP3 and Company League this week. Well, I appreciate you wishing me luck considering that I'm playing you. So thank you for that. But I'm all about being gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great weekend, brother. Take care. <laughs> we got to take a time out. When we return here on the game, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. Talking to Ryan Hinn, that boy Wolf is going to join us. Previewing Saints Vikings right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Boudin is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. It's always a treat on my show when I get to bring on new people and new people that I like to follow on social media. We've done it over the years, whether it was Brian Bienemy or the guys with the Saints Happy Hour podcast or the late Barry Hurstis. Always love having new folks on and making his RP3 and company debut. One of the best guys on Saints Twitter. You know him as Dat Boy Wolf. He's the host of the Saints Twitter podcast. Ryan Hinton joins us now. Ryan, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So first things first, man, uh, courtesy of our friends over at the Saints Half Hour podcast. So uh, the Red Rifle started, and this is all you, right? You made this happen. 
I don't know. I don't know how I did it, but I spoke it into existence. And it looks like it's going to happen, man. Uh, it's a fun time. <laughs> oh, so let, let's start there. The news breaks this morning that Jameis, as expected, didn't practice again, right? So he hasn't practiced all week. The team's been there all week. Uh, there's no way he's going to play Sunday, right, Ryan? I mean, it looks like it's going to be Andy Dalton who's been taking all the reps all practice, all week at practice. Normally, I would think so. But just with the way they've been doing it, <laughs> it's hard to even predict. Like, I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton's going to play. Uh, especially, you know, earlier this week they had Taysom Hill taking some quarterback snaps as he would be, you know, QB2 with um, Dalton starting. So I, I, I do really expect it to go that way. But, I mean, they, I mean, James has been limited the past two weeks all during the week and still played. But, you know, him not practicing at all, that should just tell us what's coming, you know. So I, I think it's Ray Rifle time, baby. Let, let's talk about Jameis because, look, quarterbacks always get too much credit and they always get too much blame. Uh, people forget yeah. about offensive line as it, it's not a factor in, in football and drives me nuts. But, you know, Jameis made great strides last year before he got injured. And really those last couple of games, you started seeing what he could do in the offense. And that was with him throwing to Callaway, you know, yeah. Hardy, Traquan Smith, and, uh, you know, the, the walking trash bag, Kevin White. So – and and yet we haven't seen him this he's regressed it looks like to me he's not picking up the blitzes he's missing guys he's not going through his reads I know he's got the stress fractures I know he's got the ankle injury what from your perspective man what, what's wrong with Jameis oh you know it's just it really sucks for him because I you know I really want him to have like a really good healthy season so we could really see what he would bring to the Saints offense and unfortunately, like even in camp, you know, he got the ankle injury uh, and missed, you know, missed a lot of time in camp. Then, you know, we had the Atlanta game. Then he gets hurt, fractures his back. And, you know, ever since the back fracture, like you can just look at his stats. Like they are bottom in the league. Um, just not good, you know. It's hard to attribute what's, what's related to the injury versus what is just, you know, him not playing well. It's hard to know, but. I mean, we just should know that, you know, playing with a back injury has to affect the quarterback some kind of way. So, I mean, I always, like, last two weeks, I've just been pushing Dalton because, I mean, Jameis is not healthy. Look, if if Jameis is 100% healthy, he's obviously the more talented quarterback uh, in the building. You know, but he's not healthy. He's not, and I agree, Ryan, and, and people make the argument, well, you know, those stress fractures and everything like that. Other guys have played through it. Well, that's great, but everyone's different, right? Every person's different when it comes to dealing with pain. And if you're in immense pain, I, I don't care how tough you are, it's going to impact how you play the game. It just does. Exactly. Exactly. And if you look at last year, uh, a lot of times when he would get in some of those situations with pressures, he would take off and scramble and get those first downs. And right now, he just can't do that. No, you're right. And I think that's something you're seeing uh, with the offense side is not being able to stay on schedule when he gets blitzed or when, you know, when it's third and third and four or whatever or third and six, he's not able to move and get those yards. And, and let's face it, he's never been, uh, you know, take the, check down, take, take the check down guy. Like, he's just never been. Never not at Florida State, not with Tampa Bay. You know, that's why, you know, Alvin Kamara's numbers has pretty much suffered with Jameis under center because that's just not who he is. He's trying to 
But it's just, you know, it's just going to take some time and, you know, time with them in the offense. And right now, the Saints really don't have time. They need to get the offense rolling. Like, the offense, there's no excuse for it to be as bad as it is right now. Uh, with the talent that they have, um, you know, unfortunately, Mike Thomas looks like he's probably going to miss this game. But still, outside of him, you know, there's still plenty of talent. They should be able to move the ball down the field. We've seen where they have moved the ball in spurts, but then some of the other issues pop up with, you know, penalties, self-imposed penalties, fumbles, all these little things. So the whole operation just needs to get working. And that, you know, yes, some of that is on Jameis, the quarterback, but a lot of it is just everybody. Like, everybody's hands are a little dirty. And, Ryan, to your point, I'm glad you brought up Kamara because – He's one of the top five best running backs in the league. He's all-purpose. He's a pass-catching machine, and yet I see him have no factor in the passing game. And I know part of that's Jameis because the way he plays. I I get that. But they used him in the passing game last year when Jameis played. Uh, And does this have to fall somewhat on Pete Carmichael for not calling the best games so far this season? No question. You know, like I think Pete Carmichael, he has to – He's going to have to come up with a plan that fits, you know, his quarterback, and he has to use his playmakers. You know what I'm saying? Like, use your guys. Like, Alvin Kamara is a jewel to have. He is a bona fide playmaker. Just get it in his hands. You know, even if it's just – even if that's the worst first read in your progression, if you can get him out in the flats, you know, lined up against a linebacker or a safety or anybody, really, you know, he's going to get production for you. Uh, just running them up the middle, look, that's fine. You got to do that sometimes to keep, you know, defenses honest. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, he's running up the middle with two tight ends on the field. So defenses are just stacking the boxes, you know. You can do that all day. So I do – I would like to see a little more creativity to come from the offense. But, like I said, that goes back to everything else. I think once they clean up a lot of those fixable issues, those self-imposed penalties and things like that and able to – um you know, identify blitzes and stuff like that. I think a lot of that stuff will get cleaned up because then they'll have more plays on the field. Right now they're not even having a lot of plays on the field because they're throwing out almost every series until like the fourth quarter. We're talking with Ryan Hidden. You know him as Dat Boy Wolf on Twitter. He's the host of the Saints Twitter podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company for the Big Easy Blitz. Let's talk about that line of scrimmage because it's been a little disappointing on both sides. Offensive line has not been fixed. I thought Doug Marone was going to fix it. We see some flashes, but Andres Pete, who I lovingly refer to as Pondwater, is still struggling <laughs> with pass protection. Ruiz is better, I think. I, I feel like he's playing better, but the line itself is not consistent. Are you surprised by how inconsistent they've been, especially with the fact they brought Doug Marone in to help fix it? Uh, I'm not too surprised. I figured it would take a little time. Um, you have Hurst, who, you know, look, Hurst, he's going to do his best. He's not, you know, even never considered like a, you know, a top echelon left tackle, but he can get the job done. Um, so it's going to be week to week with him. Um, I thought Andrews Pete was playing well this season. Um, look, Cesar Ruiz, look, I, me and my co-host Adam, we've put out a lot of jokes about Cesar, but, you know, so far this season, he has played. Uh, much better than he has in the years past. Um, you know, Ramchek, he's been dealing with he's dealing with the injury that he's just about to manage pretty much the rest of his career. So it's not a you know it's not a perfect line, but man, you look at the rest of the NFL. There's a lot of bad offensive lines out there, man. Oh. I think I think the Saints you know have a as have a 
fairly decent line. Really with the Saints, it's just been the whole protection operation, not just offensive line, but how everybody interacts with the tight ends, um, the running backs, the quarterback identifying, uh, identifying where the different pressures are coming from. It's the whole protection operation that needs to be fixed. Even the wide receivers, you know, wide receivers need to know how to change their routes up. You know, when there's a zero blitz coming or there's, you know, overload pressure on one side, they need to know how to adjust their routes to, uh, you know, to make themselves available to the quarterback quickly because it's going to have to be a hot read. And if I feel like none of that is just working properly. And, look, that falls on coaching. That falls on, you know, uh, what they do during the week in practice. And that's another reason why I've been saying, you know, Jameis needs to take a seat because he hasn't even been able to practice. So how do you, you know, how do you practice these things when he can't practice due to his injury? So hopefully a lot of those things will be fixed. Look, Dalton is, you know, he's played a lot of games in his league. He's seen a lot. So, you know, hopefully he'll be able to identify a lot of those things and help with some of the protection. If Andy plays well and the offense looks, let's be honest, it's been dreadful through three games. Let's just say the offense yeah. looks competent, Ryan. Let's just say it's it's just competent and they win the game. Does James get his does James get his job back? Man, listen, this, <laughs> you know, I cynically I wanted this to happen in the offseason, like just for Dalton to get in, just to add a little excitement to the Saints season, you know, just for it to be a little fun. You know, maybe I'm just you know, maybe I'm a sickle like that. But man, it, it'll be interesting. Like if he comes in and, you know, the offense sit off like he doesn't have to do much. The defense is fine. They have been great this year, but they've been very competent. And if he's if he can just get the ball to Kamara, you know, be that point guard. Get the ball out to your playmakers. Get the ball out quickly, on time. They should be fine. And if he does, it does create a little QB controversy. But I don't think they would hang the you know, I don't I don't think they would just shut the book on Jameis. I think they would give him every chance to uh get back on the field, but you know, this is where we're at, man. When you don't have that bona fide franchise quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> so it's going to be one of those things where it's just, you know, week to week where you're just hoping to find the best player that that could play for you. Uh, it makes you remember of Jeff Blake and Aaron Brooks' memories oh, yeah. coming down. Coming down. All right, bud, I'll get you out of here with this. Uh, it, it, I don't think it's a must win for me. I think it's too early in the season to have must wins, but they sure do need one, right? So... What do you think is going to happen Sunday morning in London? Do you think the Red Rifle and the Saints are going to pull out a win against Kirk Cousins and Jefferson and company? You know, I I do think it's a must win. You know, not in the grand scheme of the NFL, but really just internally for the Saints because I think if they lose this game, things could get kind of ugly and kind of spiral out of control for a young head coach. Uh, you know, a new head, well, I would just say a new head coach in Dennis Allen. You know, then you start hearing murmurs from the locker room, anonymous sources, you know, coaches start blaming each other. Things can get really ugly. I think they find the fortitude to win this game, man. I think Andy Dalton comes in. I think he does just enough to keep the offense steady. I think the defense will come out and ball out. I think they're going to be prepared. And I think they just handle business. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a blowout or anything like that. I think they do just enough to win this game and kind of settle everything down, man. And honestly, I would like to see that. 
because I, you know, <laughs> our podcast does better when the Saints are winning. So <laughs> I can't think of it else, man. <laughs> I got you, brother. I got you. I, uh, before I let you go, tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to get y'all's podcast, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at G A T B O Y W O L F at Boy Wolf. Uh, you can follow our uh, podcast on Twitter is at Saints Twit Pod. Um, you could uh, go to Saints twitterpod.com and get all the links to our podcast patreon youtube you know we're everywhere we're available everywhere on any podcast catcher you use hashtag saints twitter podcast we keep it fun it's like listening to guys talk about football in the barbershop we keep it fun and uh honest we keep it real you know good or bad so yeah check us out and give us a listen love it man love it appreciate you making the time ryan can't wait to have you back on brother enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you soon Appreciate you, brother. It's Ryan Hidden. Follow him on social at DatBoyWolf. He's one of the best guys on Saints Twitter. Saints Twitter is his own thing. And Ryan's one of the best. You got to check out that podcast as well. We got to take a timeout, wrap up today's show, get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, a little news here. We told you about Jameis Winston. For the third straight day, was not at practice. Michael Thomas was not present as well. Coach Dennis Allen has ruled out Thomas for Sunday's game. Andres Pete, who was limited yesterday, was not present, as was safety Marcus May. So we've got to keep an eye on that and see what their availability is going to be for Sunday's game. While we have a moment, I want to thank all of our guests. Carly Viator from Festival International. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time Podcast. J.J. Jackson from Sports Talk Auburn, Zach Miller, fantasy football expert, and Ryan Hinton. Oh, that boy Wolf. Poll question of the day. We asked you, who do you like winning this weekend? Who has the best chance to win their conference games? 65% of you say LSU over Auburn. 22% say UL over South Al. And 13% say McNeese over Incarnate Word. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III. We'll do it all again on Monday. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.